once more beyond the wind door. good to see your smiling face it's very good to see your smiling face as well i don't know why we've taken on this affectation but i intend to record the rest of the show on it i don't know i like i don't even know what that voice sounds like it's like that uh what was it uh arthur frayne the uh narrator of zardoz Mm, rich rich in irony and most satirical. Yes, exactly. That's the one. Mm. I'm sort of going for that, um, it, almost like a sort of Twin Peaks or uh, just some sort of surreal, austere character that you meet on the roadside who uh, has strange uh, foreboding proclamations of the future or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to go down that road. Um <laughs> There's gibbets down that road. Mm. We've got gibbets to spare around these parts. <laughs> I also pronounced it wrong too, but fuck it. That's the kind of mood that we're in right now. We When did we say see you around the multiverse? That was like right at the start, that, wasn't it? That, that was right at the start. At one point wow. we were thinking that Alex and Sharon, we were like, well, we, we, we could take this. But uh, we were worried that Alex and Sharon would uh, use it themselves for whenever mm. they did their behind the white scarves thing. And then we ended up taking behind the white scarves for ourselves. So maybe we should reclaim that catchphrase. <laughs> it's just that we're so used to uh, uh, ending our episodes in a different way. Yeah. We, of course, know... One second, I must have... You, you spelled it wrong, that's... <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, no. For the recording, I spelled no as in, uh, like, understand something, just N-O. Yeah, what no. is wrong with me? Uh, I'm so ashamed. I'm an English lit student anyway. Um, that's one for the bloopers. Coming back, resetting. <laughs> Hello, Maureen. Hi. You can't hear me, but I think you're great. I love he, you. He thinks you're great. He loves you. Oh, <laughs> I like hearing that. I think you're great. I love you, too. Oh, I will loudly slurp coffee at the microphone as a sign of respect. <laughs> you will loudly slurp coffee at the microphone as a show of respect. I appreciate that, too. <laughs> And now for our recurring segment, Toby leaves secret messages for Greg while he's off mic. In this case, I was busy cooking a lasagna for me and Maureen. It's happened, listeners. He's having lasagna. He's turning into Garfield. But wait, I have also got lasagna for dinner tomorrow. And tomorrow's Monday. Oh no. The horror spreads. It engulfs us all. All right, audience, we talked earlier about what are some very memorable 
children's intro show animated show intros were with absolute bangers of an opening song number please write in to tell us what your favorite one is gravity falls is a classic okay actually this is one i was talking about this with sarah the other day would anyone in the world and certainly in this little corner of the internet that we carved out have any idea what i was referring to if i sung bananas in pajamas they're coming down the stairs and then i don't remember the way that the rest of the song goes but does anyone remember that i remember it anyway uh, everyone has some weird fever dream of a thing that they watched when they were a kid that no one else knows about but you will spend the rest of your life trying to find out what it is let us know what yours is and we will we will believe you we care about you we know that you didn't imagine it all i can think of is that bit in the the first j Brim's star trek film of like i saw it happen don't tell me it didn't happen oh god he's coming back everybody be cool be cool were you reading off a soliloquy there? What are you like, about? I was two feet away, sir. I could hear you saying <laughs> something into the microphone this entire time. You are imagining things. I <laughs> would never. I take this recording session very seriously, sir. <laughs> I know you take it seriously, which is why you're going to have something very serious for me to listen to. Well, as it turns out, it wasn't a fever dream. Because I... Remembered that too. Bananas in pajamas are coming down the stairs. Bananas in pajamas are coming down in pairs. Bananas in pajamas are chasing teddy bears. Cause on Tuesdays they'll try to catch the waves. Okay, so uh, at the staff Christmas party last year, Greg and I looks and a tender moment were exchanged and. That is all I will say on the matter, and I will leave the fanfic writers to do their work and to expand it out into whatever it is. Um, <laughs> this is weird. This is tipsy. I apologize, and I'm also deeply sorry to anyone and everyone. Oh, God. This is why I need supervision. Greg is the one who keeps me on the straight and narrow, and when it's just me, it goes loopy oh god i saw that Ardman are doing a star wars thing that's fucking nuts i love it i'm so looking forward to seeing what they do with that anyway greg's back be cool i'm going to come back to this and find out that you're just like reading the contents of a wikipedia page because <laughs> normally you don't have something this long prepared <laughs> you think this is prepared <laughs> i don't know <laughs> like I, I know that sometimes you like there's sometimes long pauses between what you're saying when you when you hide a little little nugget a little gem for me but here I'm just like <laughs> fiddling around with the oven was like god damn it what is Toby saying <laughs> wouldn't you like to know yeah well I'll find out eventually. But it'll be a while because I still have two hours to fucking edit for the for the last recording, so. Ah, oh, damn it. One more moment. 
This lasagna has so many layers to it. I mean, I know what all lasagnas do. <laughs> God damn you! You have to be quicker than that, Greg old chum. Uh, the Wikipedia thing's a good idea. All right, let's see. Uh, what can I find? Uh, Wikipedia. Uh, okay. Uh, let's do the Wikipedia entry for Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, subtitle read 358 days over two, is an action role-playing... Well, hi, Greg. <sighs> Oh, God, you're just going to keep doing that. It's fine. It's fine. I'll get you back somehow. <laughs> well, now I am getting back at you, Toby, because a many-layered lasagna helped me to remember this overblown jingle from ten years ago. It's the place to come and eat. Soup and salad and spaghetti with me. Fifteen-layer lasagna for me. You in the mood, great Italian food. Come and dine with us tonight. We'll make you smile and serve you right. We welcome you now. We are Spaghetti Warehouse. Whoa. Come on in, what you waiting outside for? Family and friends just come knocking on our door. The catchy pop jingle to Texas-based Spaghetti Warehouse is taking the social media airwaves by storm and being favorably compared as a summer jam, third only to Get Lucky and Blurred Lines. Ah yes, Spaghetti Warehouse, because when I think of fine Italian dining, what I really want is a large cavernous cement building with no insulation and exposed rafters. I hope the spaghetti is actually served like bulk food in a Costco or something. You just get your wheelbarrow out, drive up to a giant vat full of noodles and take like a big pair of tongs and just get like a couple hundred pounds of noodles and then drive along and then you just a giant like hose of sauce just put sauce all over it and then you have food for like a month a month this is texas everything's bigger in texas that'll feed you two days tops all they're saying right now is that the song is an original composition by a grammy winning production team and it sounds like a Taylor Swift B-side if she just completely sold out. Wait a sec, maybe this is a Taylor Swift song. And after her most recent breakup, she just drowned her sorrows in pasta. <laughs> Nobody will ever love me! Except you, Carbs. You'll always be there for me. Wait, just a sec. I heard in there that they have a 15-layer lasagna. Now, I'm not like an expert on making lasagna. But I think it's normally like, you know, maybe four to six layers. Well, assuming there's no vegetables in this version, one layer would be like a chunky sauce, and then the noodles, and then cheese. And then, all right, so sauce, noodles, cheese. Sauce, noodles, cheese. Sauce, noodles, sadness, cheese. Sauce, noodles, more sadness, cheese, cheese. And now, back to our show. I am 
looking forward to uh, tonight and our conversations of thinking uh, deeply about this story because Sarah and I earlier on rounded off our watch through, our first watch through of Tenet. Mm. And I walked away from it thinking it was probably my least favourite Nolan film. Mm. Have you had the pleasure or displeasure of uh, seeing it yourself? I've seen I've seen it exactly once. Yeah. I feel like the more that Nolan tries to do, the further up his own ass he gets. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it was bad per se, but the problem is, is that, like, this is one of the movies where I was least engaged with the characters involved. Mm. The the concepts I was a li- I was somewhat engaged with as I was attempting to follow what was going on. Like I think that there was some there there, but like if we if we measure on a plane in terms of the Nolan characters that I've cared the most about, at one end where I care the most about them would be Memento. Memento, yes, mm-hmm. that was one of his first movies, but it was also as I've mentioned before, has a lot of personal resonance with me, uh, as well as the subject matter about the fallible nature of brains being uh, something that I I can thoroughly identify with, uh, given my own various brain issues and stuff like that. But the further along the road, like I didn't even finish Interstellar, so I didn't Mm -hmm. even get to to the huge part that I know that's supposed to be a significant aspect to what happens with the physics and the the, mm. the science and the spirituality and everything like that. But I think that was a part of it a little bit, is that even though I engaged with some of the emotional stuff in that one, I didn't engage with it as much. I engaged with parts of uh, Inception mm-hmm. because it was about big ideas, but it was also about personal trauma. It was also mm. about grief. Uh, mm. And I can definitely engage with that. The movie also just like was trying to do way too much with its special effects of worlds within worlds within worlds nested and how that how they affect each other. That mm. I I feel like I kind of again was getting a little bit too lost in the ooh look at what I'm doing Nolan thing mm. of it and everything like that. So yeah, yeah. my but... my favorite ones were always. Um, Insomnia and Memento. Yeah, I, uh, of course, uh, enjoy uh, Begins and Dark Knight, but uh, yeah. the further the further we go into, like, the more of a catalogue that we develop of Nolan's films, the more I sort of feel that those films are a bit of a peculiar blip. They're not out of character for him, but they feel like, they aren't necessarily as far on the scale of like what I associate with him as with everything else. And I checked out a few things afterwards. Uh, Honest Trailers had a good way of describing it, which is that like, uh, you know, whether you think this is great or terrible, this is Nolan at his most. Uh, and that definitely yes. <laughs> uh, sounds right. But I think for me, the Mark Kermode review that I checked out Definitely, I found myself agreeing with that a lot because we had subtitles on, so I found out afterwards that a lot of people were really struggling with the sound mixing of their Mm. particular experience. I don't know if the home release addressed or adjusted that, but whatever the case, the subtitles meant we had perfect clarity of what was being said and everything like that. 
by the time it was done, I found myself feeling like I had a lot of questions. Just as Mark Hermode says, his questions and mine were much more about the practical side, the technical side of mm-hmm. like what and how things happen in it. And mm-hmm. But there's very little in the way of philosophical questions that you're left to continue the conversation on past the end of the film. Like it doesn't necessarily feel as if it has a conversation that goes anywhere or has that much depth. Like for crying out loud, the guy's name is protagonist. He repeatedly says, I am the protagonist, and there is that is as much depth as he has. The whole time I was watching this, you sort of see that initial premise of here's the bullet and here's how the inverted bullet works. And you hear and you go like, OK, I think I sort of get it, but I have a lot of questions. So, like, if this bullet is traveling back in time, are we saying that, like, or there's the ordinance they say later on. So is it the case that, like, there has always been a crater here? Like, if we go back here 50 years ago, people would see the shells of this. And, like, they say that people are sending these things from the future. Well, how? How is that backwards-moving ship? Like, where did it come from? Where is the source of all of this? Like, mm-hmm. is uh, are they all doing these turnstile things? Is there a massive one where all of this is going? And just, it, it, it boggled my mind so many times. And But, like, here's the problem. The answers to those questions, I'm sure, exist, but I didn't get that clarity on a first-time viewing. And I also don't think it really like will satisfy or elevate the film that much if I get the answers to those. Mm-hmm. So it was a very frustrating viewing experience, to mm-hmm. be sure. I mean, mm. so here's here's a great way to compare it. Tenant mm. is very obviously trying to do a lot of things mm. with it, and it is trying to be definitely meta overall, but when you're done with it, you may not necessarily feel like you had a satisfying watching experience. You want to go back to see it, to see if you can figure it out any better on a second watching experience. If you have, now that you know the arc of it, if you're able to focus more on little pieces of it to see if you can unpack some of these things. With everything everywhere all at once, the movie is satisfying in and of itself, even if you don't catch all the little things. Absolutely. And now, and now you want to go back and rewatch the movie again, knowing the arc of it, but watching it more to see if you can find more of the Easter eggs and more of mm. the thematic stuff that was woven into it. Now that you're like, okay, I don't need to watch it to understand it. Now I'm watching it to get more of the fullness out of it, to get more of the flavor out of it. That's what it is. And There's so little clarity in uh, Tenet, like in so many places, like not just the the mechanics and the logic and the actual articulation of these gimmicks and premises, but just the characters and the story being told, everything everywhere, and even just the choreography, everything everywhere all at once has so much more clarity in terms of who these people are what the actual action is and what the arc of the story is. With Tenet, it felt like it had 
thin characters, thin story in order to prop up these impressive effects and impressive action. But the problem was that the action wasn't even all that engaging or impressive. And I'm taking away the idea of action being more engaging if we care about the characters, which is true. It is so true. And I didn't care about anyone in Tenet. But even if I make that concession, the action had one or two neat moments. But with the finale, the conclusion, I had no idea of anything like where did this who was this army of people when you see people shooting they're like shooting at people who aren't on in frame there's nothing there's nothing to hold on to i hated this movie greg i hated it (laughs) i mean i can appreciate that i i feel like i did get something out of it when i watched it but the Mm. thing is that i can't remember what that is now my brain was trying to figure it out immediately after I watched it and be like, okay, I guess there's this and there's that. I really mm. want to see David Washington and something else. Yeah, Cause, I'm cause, right. Because I, I, I get the feeling like there could be something good there in, in, in his acting, but I feel like this movie, even with him as quote-unquote the protagonist, did not make necessarily good use of that. That it was a very strange feeling where it was like, I definitely think there's something here. It's just I'm not seeing it with this performance. So, but but in the meantime, again to bring it back to something we both love, even the Academy sort of can appreciate this. Uh-huh. The power of everyone's acting and everything everywhere all at once is what led four different people to be up for Oscar awards. For that movie, Stephanie mm. Sue has like never had been a, had a major role before in her life, but she was such a strong presence in that movie. She, she's just, her career has just begun, and everyone was like, "Yep, yeah, okay, got to give it to her, recognize her at least to put her up for the award." Again, I have no idea how to vote between her, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Angela Bassett in Wakanda Forever. Because mm. regardless of whatever issues Wakanda Forever has, Angela Bassett killed it as Queen Ramonda. Mm. And it was also a triumphant story for both... Daniels? <laughs> well, not, not for the Daniels, but for our, our two main leads, mm. uh, Kei Chi Quinn and, and Michelle Yeoh. It's a success story for each of them in different ways because one Mm. of them was a child actor, left acting entirely, and came back in this triumphant way. Mm. And Michelle Yeoh, in the meantime, she's been recognized for some of the stuff that she's done in things big and small, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but also the various other kung fu stuff that she's done along the way. But, like, she has been working her ass off in the industry and not gotten recognized necessarily. Mm -hmm. And now she is the lead. The movie centers around her. She just thoroughly kills it. And she's like, she's in her fifties. Editor's correction. She is 60 years old as of August of last year. This doesn't usually happen for women like her, unfortunately. How remarkable is it to get a, film that has a performance like that that just gets past every barrier every sort of cynical wall that audiences can 
put around themselves that just absolutely kills it and is a performance that could carry not just a film but 10 films worth on the back of that performance Mm -hmm. and to have it be not the only one in the film to do that Mm -hmm. that you realize oh shit every single one of the main characters is doing the same thing i haven't actually re-watched everything everywhere all at once but so you've only yes. seen it once all the way through yeah oh and god well you, you know get, you i know to get on that shit i sir. know i mean i know that I, I i think i, I delayed I it because in some ways it's intimidating it's mm-hmm. just this it's everything and <laughs> like i use that as a joke all the time but it's true it's so many months later and i'm still like shook by how much that film got to me, mm. got to everyone. It's wonderful. I think that was a great warm up before we <laughs> get into the main thing. I will cap this off by saying that, or cap this off by saying that uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish is excellent. It's a very good time. That's um, surprising. Like, I I honestly, I, I've seen... Shrek and Shrek 2. I don't think that I've seen mm. any of the other Shrek things. I was aware of the original Puss in Boots coming out, but I had never watched any of those movies. Mm. And yeah. so therefore, I wouldn't have expected a lot from... No one did. It's really come out of left field. And mm. if not for it being a delayed release here in the UK and just everyone on Twitter going nuts about the quality of this thing it wouldn't have been on my radar mm-hmm. and it's actually up for uh, best animation amongst some very very steep competition but nevertheless it is a film that you could watch without having seen any of the other films shrek or the previous puss in boots it is mm-hmm. like a film that just it tells you exactly who the character of puss in boots is in its opening like number and it's not a film that has a lot of hidden depths if that makes sense because it wears the, most of the, what it is on the sleeve yeah like it's the characters talk through a lot of what it is about but it is just so sincere and so thought out in how it like carries that off that it ends up being on the surface of it just a very good swashbuckling adventure that's like got a lot of action and it's a treasure hunt it's very you know what it is actually a little bit panther soul in Mm. it's uh the idea of this is a race to get to some great treasure that everyone wants and it's for their own reasons in tandem with that it has some exceptional animation it's definitely influenced by into the spider-verse because For a lot of it, it has a frame rate and sort of style that is a bit more traditional DreamWorks, but with a nice, like, different approach to it, the way it shades and does colours. But during the action sequences, it lowers the frame rate, so characters will actually move with a much snappier movement, and Mm. it looks excellent. In addition to all of that, it is a story about characters confronting death and mortality but also the anxieties that we face when we're no longer sure of who we are or the identities that we 
carve out for ourselves and I was not expecting that in a second Puss in Boots film. I know that we owe you a bunch of fish pictures, but we haven't been to the aquarium yet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No No worries. I'll look forward to seeing them when you have a chance to go. Mm. Yeah. We've been trying to get more sociable on the weekends. Mm. Ish. Ish. I mean, we did go to... We did. We did did go to hang out with friends yesterday. but But we also are still sort of in this limbo state of waiting for... The next shoe to drop. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, Mm. but... Uh, have you guys been able to uh, get up to relaxing stuff today? I mean, I did. I just had Toby time with you. So that <laughs> I was, was gonna say that was my relaxing Toby time. That's that's what they I, describe it is the the Greg has Toby time. Uh, I like that. I think I called you Toby time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Well, what's what I find funny and also sweet is that uh, like you'll have in your diary if you are going to work you. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to talk through things. Yeah. You'll say, like, meet with T. But because you, your supervisor is Teresa, <laughs> you can mean that as both her and me. So sometimes I have to be like, okay, is this, do you want me to read this? Or is this something for your supervisor? <laughs> yeah. I really should have it as, like, you know, the initials as well. But I, I did it on first letters straight away. You can, so I just, had you to can just write hubby. Like, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> <All right. Yeah. laughs> but, do you, but do you have T when you meet with T? We do. I mean, yes, I mean we do. you're having tea we're right having now. Having tea at the moment. Mm. I had hot chocolate earlier. Yeah. And and what uh, what very British meal did we have for supper before? Uh, oh, um, we had sausages and mash, so bangers and mash. Yeah, bangers and mash. We're <laughs> bangers and mash. Yeah. 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 Although the sausages were lamb sausages, and I've never had that. Before. They were very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a bit different. Yes, we, I feel like I need to eventually experience proper British cuisine because I, I hear know, so much about it. Has bad rep, but it's good. Good British Look, cuisine is good. I'll I, tell you. I'll tell you this: that like our pudding. Are yeah, very good. Like I, I think that's. Uh, like any place you kind of like, like there's always kind of like the. You can often like reduce something to a lot of the stereotypes, and there's a big spectrum. I'm like I'm not gonna sort of say that there's a. I don't know. Like I, mean, I, guess, I, think, I think there's a good okay, amount. I think it's, yeah. just, it's just not got as good reputation as like other like European countries. Like you know like. Yeah. But we got yeah. good stuff. There's there's definitely a lot that I would miss that I wouldn't yeah. necessarily have access. Like, do you guys know what Branston Pickle is? I heard Yahtzee talk about that all the time, and I get yeah. that it's some kind of relish, but I don't know enough about what makes it different from, say, American. I've never heard of, like... The Branson pickle being described as a relish sounds wrong. But, but, but I, uh, I, it is in that section of, it's, like... It's definitely know, so that. that makes yeah. sense, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's... Like, it's a weird, like, sort of black like... brown sludge <laughs> with <laughs> chunks in it. So that and it it's sound de- well, it's a weird looking thing. I, I have to call them like <laughs> a symptom. I'm a whale biologist. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. But... Look, just because you're a whale biologist and find ambergris fascinating doesn't mean you're going to put it on a slice of bread. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like um, there was a there's this group I follow on Facebook and they're also called Twitter. They're also on Twitter, not their cool Twitter. <laughs> what is this Twitter you say? It <laughs> sounds think, like a relaxing place to hang out. Yeah, no. Earlier this week, 
Um, yeah, Sarah just joined Twitter last year, and I'm like, Sarah, get out while you can. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just use it for work. I, I think she has more followers than me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have I've that been spending less and less time at myself, so yeah. But, yeah, mm. I'm on it. Like, I've had some good feedback recently. I haven't been on it the last few days, but people have been I need to, I need to show you stuff. Like, yeah. Sarah's like paper is like on open source now, so yeah. like people can. Ooh. Yeah, people yeah, can read it whenever. Yeah, really nice. Like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's... I was, anyway, I was on this page that's called Very British Problems, and it talks about very British things. Yeah. And it was talking about, um, like, when you go... When you're abroad and you have, like, you know, what the what the English food is in like a foreign country like what the staples are but they also did it for American food and it was just how you know for us we got this very like narrow window of what American food is and, and like for is like you know British food it's yeah. like I mean you guys but, just eat hamburgers right like <laughs> I mean I'm not saying we would eat hamburgers every day if we could but we like hamburgers I mean, we oh, do. We, too. Like, we uh, had one yesterday. We we actually had one yesterday. And I, had one some on, boots. and I had one on Monday. So yeah, we, we do have a lot of burgers. Yeah. yeah. If there, say, if there's American staples that are not specifically us eating some other American version of an alien yeah. cuisine, like say Tex-Mex. Yeah. It would be burgers. Yeah. Pizza, hot dogs, hot dogs. Well, well, yeah. I mean, you have you have your sausages, yeah. but the, the hot dog is a very specific kind. Yeah, hot- we we do get like frankfurters when we want to do like hot dogs, but yeah, uh, yeah. mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese. I mean, we that's, like all of these we, those are all good. Like those yeah. are. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, whatever. Like yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. Yeah. Like, I think the thing that always gets me is you call sweet potatoes yams. Yeah, I think it's part of Southern culture or something like that. There's, yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a regional dialect sort of thing. I do remember, uh, what was it? Sava. I went to England a uh, long Let's time ago. with you. Oh, I think you were asking me a question then, and then it was, it was a joke. Yeah, it was a, it was a very basic Timon from Timon and Pumba level joke of yeah. like, what, nothing, what's cassava with you? <laughs> and then I would burst laughing. I always like the eclecticness of uh, Google's uh, like list of searches. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different varieties, I think, as well, of like mm. sweet potatoes. Like, because this is still recording, this is now the Sweet Potato Podcast. Through the Sweet Potato. (laughs) Sarah, what would you like to say that's recorded? Um, Oh, I don't know. You put me on the spot now. Yeah. (laughs) We're live on air. You gotta go with the punches. You gotta think on your feet. Pitch me. What do you think the next New Century book should be about? Fish. Underwater. Underwater. Okay, I like it. We <laughs> like, uh, we're going to. There's a new. There's a new world, and instead of cats being the dominant species, it's all fish. And yeah. the main character. And and also like cephalopods, so they're octopi and squid. They're really dominant like ones. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, I'm sure that we can get some social issues in the mix there as well. I, to be honest, this is just Splatoon. Genuinely, Splatoon does a better job at exploring racism and social prejudices than any other Nintendo property. <laughs> Who would have thought it? <laughs> I was gonna say octopi are basically assholes, so that seems appropriate. Are we talking like sort of their personality or their physiology? Because yeah. 
Well, yes to both. <laughs> I find them quite interesting. I would like to. Um... We're not taking an octopus back home. No, but, no, I don't think like, that would be the. I think the fish wouldn't like that. They're so I smart. Mean, I don't trust them because, no. like, I've got a book about they're like, the cats like, like, of the water world. Yeah. Well, and where they may go in the future and during ev- like over evolutionary time. Yeah, I mean, I know that I've I probably said this story on one of these conversations before, but the story you told me <laughs> has always stuck with me. Is was it the Bristol Aquarium? No, I think no, that's was, what you added. I yeah, think I think it was just, just I found out about yeah. it when we were in Bristol, yeah. so I assume. But there was an aquarium where some of their fish was were disappearing overnight, and they didn't know what the cause of it was. So they set up CCTV and like cameras to record. And when they played it back, they saw that the octopus would like swim up to the top of its tank, and then it would undo the latch oh. and climb out of its tank and just walk along and well this is what i'm getting to it walked along the floors of the aquarium went to the fish tanks and got in and had its treat but it wasn't just that this was an animal that like went to where the food was it was like hey you know i'll stay here it then decided after it had done its crime (laughs) to go back to its tank and close it and put the latch back so it wouldn't be discovered. <laughs> like they will kill us all. Yeah, this is why they'll I, team up with the robots. You really have to keep them engaged. They get like they're so intelligent that you can't just have them like Yeah. yeah. They they're coming for us all. <laughs> Wake up with one of your cats. <laughs> cats of the sea. Cats with well hold on, hold on a second. Goose with the tentacles that come out of its mouth. From, from Captain Marvel. Honey. That's not a cat. <laughs> okay, a fair plant. enough. Well, I, I heard Goose and what was just thinking yeah, about like Sarah's my, favorite character in Animal Crossing. This chicken called Goose. Oh, <laughs> he's got these really big eyebrows that I'm really expressed. It, I love his face. Yeah, I'm going to get this up because Sarah sometimes says that my eyebrows remind her <laughs> of him. Hold on. Yeah, I mean that in a sweet way. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, I'm just putting this in the Skype chat. <laughs> And yeah, it's one of my favorites. There's like a <laughs> little face on it. Oh, that's a very Sam the Eagle look. Yeah, he, well, I actually he have an eagle. Yes, well. he he's he's a sweetie. Yeah, yeah I love the chickens in Animal Crossing. They make me. Oh, laugh. you like Benedict? Don't you? Yeah, I like yeah. Ben- and I've got one. At yes, the there's a chicken called Benedict. <laughs> um, and I've got one in my town called Knox, and he's like a knight. He has like a little helmet. <laughs> and he, but the, the really funny thing is that he can still wear a hat that you give him, so he'll have his knight's hat, and he'll have like a little like hat on top that he fits on, which makes me laugh. We've got so much like extra material that we <laughs> will absolutely probably be included in some outtake. Yeah. I did want to say one thing. I Having mm. been to England and sampled your food, these yeah. pies are fantastic. Y'all are a lot more invested in them than we are. Scones with clotted cream was like a near religious experience. Oh yeah. Did you have them with jam? heart was fabulous. <laughs> I must say, I only right. had scones, scones. I changed how I say it. Um, only like relatively recently. I didn't. I mm. didn't. I, I, I don't know why so, I didn't think I would like them. They're amazing. We, there is. You want to know how silly we can be as a people? One of the biggest points of political contention that people will have is 
how you do your scone. Do you spread the jam first and then put the clotted cream after? Or do you put the clotted cream first and then put the jam after? That is actually a thing that whenever you sit down and have scones with people, which is a regular occurrence (laughs) in the UK, I have to say, you are guaranteed, no matter what the group size, someone (laughs) will do it differently to you and a conversation will then ensue about, oh, I can't believe you do it that way. My mum has a Facebook post about it when me and because we do it differently <laughs> so she's like um, does it you guys have stayed close i think it's because i don't i have a weird thing about jam and cream mixing anyway so for me i like to have the cream as like the first layer like a kind of i guess like a butter and then have the jam on top mm, that's because i'm a bit weird <laughs> with that in mind i would suggest this little guy. Oh, hello. Hello, Apple. Oh, you're such a cute thing. Hello, Apple. Hello. This is how our, our, our recording is going to end. Me just being gleeful over the presence of Apple, crawling over the limb of my co-host. Crawling over the limb makes it sound so much more horrifying than it actually is. <laughs> hello. He's, ador- he's an adorable yes. little hammy. So, you know, yes. you, you, you can't see this, listeners, but <laughs> Apple is the cutest thing. And I I will happily gush over him whenever he uh, makes an entrance into my vision. Okay, well, uh, I'll quote that to Sarah later because she will be very pleased to hear that uh, you say that Apple is the cutest thing and you will happily gush over him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yay.